Welcome. Thank you all so much. Happy Father's Day to many people in this room. And we are blessed to have the greatest father. So regardless of the situation in life that you've been in, we have a tremendous father in the name of our Lord, our God. And so what I'm afraid of sometimes is that people superimpose their current life experiences or past life experiences as if God is that same way. And God is not a man that he should lie. Come on, that's pretty good. And God is not a man that he will do anything contrary outside of love and justice and mercy. And so as we're moving through this confession series all the way to July 1st, then July 1st we start a series, Lord willing, on our vision, which is the first week is love God, the next week is live community, the next week is serve others. But while we're in the confession, as wonderful as the sermons you've heard, especially uh, I think about Hayden when we're in transition. And transition, we speak that, uh, we speak that because we know a transition brings transformation. And so we confession in the midst of transformation changes everything. So my prayer today is this. So let me tell you where we're going. If you have Summit Church on Facebook, you're going to see the notes. So you might want to go there. All the notes are going to be there. Because here's where we're going today. As a, someone who tries to be an earthly representative of God, I fail. So I want to be transparent. I, I stink as a father. And so today is not just a father's sermon. It is about our Heavenly Father glorifying His Son, Jesus Christ, who then gave us the Holy Spirit. So I think about all the times that I stink as a father, things that I've done, like even yesterday to one of my children, and just at five in the morning, I'm eaten up by the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart. Can't sleep because of here I am, I'm going to be a guy up here trying to proclaim the Word of God to you who I love and you are my heroes, and, and how can I do that effectively without the anointing of the Holy Spirit? So what is it as a father that I can bring to the table to show him or to show her or to show anybody what's great about God? Now, we already know salvation, right? Yes or no? Yeah. We already know that once we're saved, we enter into this process called sanctification. So we don't question our salvation. Uh, what we do is we become more Christ-like. So when we sin, it's not an issue of value that we will lose salvation. It's the issue of sanctification so people can see Jesus. Y'all tracking me? Right? So that's why God convicts us because he says that's not what people how people will look at Jesus. People don't read the Bible. Come on, somebody. You know I say it all the time. They just read who? Us who read the Bible. They don't read it. They don't know the Word of God. They think in Scripture that cleanliness is next to godliness. Nowhere in Scripture, though it is a nice Jesus juke when you want your kids to clean the room. So, you know, have at it. But what I'm saying is, and so where are we going today? What can I give my family, what can I bring for you? What can I bring to people who do not know the beauty of Jesus and the great value that he brings? There's one word missing today. Now, I know it's rooted in love, but there's one word missing, and it's the word hope. If I could give my children anything in the Holy Spirit, if I could give you is my family. Because Jesus said clearly, who's your family? He said, 
Uh, they said, your mama and your brothers and sisters, they're outside. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Anyone who does the will of God is my family. So what can I bring to the table today? What would the Holy Spirit have us learn today? One word. Hope. If we can learn that there's hope in any situation by the power of the gospel of Jesus, if we can confess hope in any situation, then we will be transformed regardless of what is around us. Are y'all tracking? Whatever is around us, this is the beauty of the gospel. God saves us and redeems us from either a, a good family or a bad family, however value you want to put on that on the earth. All families don't know Jesus outside of the movement of Jesus. And he saves us and he captivates our hearts, and we realize there's no greater value but him, and then God begins to change us, and we want him more than anything. And then when we were trusted with a little, then he takes us, and he says, I can trust you because you love me. Now I'm going to put you into a place where I love them. And you're going to go to the muck and mire, and you're going to go to a place that's totally uncomfortable for your flesh and for our flesh and for our longing. And maybe it's uncomfortable when we could do more by the world's standards, but God says, this is what I want you to do. And we deny ourselves, we take up that cross, we throw the cross on the ground, and we stand on the rock that's higher than I. And the floods come, and the backstabbings come. And the challenges come, and the family heartache comes, and the job comes, and you spend the days of your life giving it to somebody, and what value do you have without the hope of Jesus? Sometimes the cross is before me as we sing, and the world is behind me, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, I'll follow him. Then there's other times the cross is our rear guard. The cross becomes something that protects us from all the bad past and from all the bad backstabbing. And the guard and the cross becomes that guard. And sometimes all we have is the rock. Matthew 7, we build our houses on who? Come on, talk to me. The rock. We don't build it on sand. And so what happens sometimes in the midst of that house, the only thing we have, the only thing we have is Jesus. Sometimes the rock is a lonely place. Sometimes the rock is a scary place. Sometimes the rock, there's nothing there but Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is that God wants us to be faithful to him. So when we're faithful to him, then we will know that to whom much is given, much is required, and God will breathe on us the breath of life. So where are we going? Hope. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. You're, some of you are saying, well, where in the world is Ecclesiastes? Why even have that? It's a, it's a great book. It's written by Solomon. It's right after Psalms and Proverbs. It's wisdom literature. And today I pray that this will mean something to us. Now let me give you a backstory. Solomon is living in a time of peace because his daddy was a great warrior. Right? Goliath, David. And then all of a sudden, Solomon 
God says, what do you want? And he doesn't ask for fame. He doesn't ask for riches. But what does he ask for? Come on. Wisdom. And so it's God, do you want to know wisdom? <laughs> kind of Job-esque. You know, Job asked why did it happen to him, and he never got why. <laughs> he just got God. And so Solomon gives his life to all these things. He gives it to finances. He gives it to books. He gives it to relationships. He gives it to understanding all the world's knowledge and, and, and birds and animals. I mean, he gives his life to all this, and he is just empty. And then he starts looking at, well, the wicked get ahead and the righteous suffer and both of them end in death. Well, what good is that? I mean, God is taking him on a wisdom journey. If you want God, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs. We're going to get it. And so I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And I want us to look where Solomon is struggling with death. And you say, John, Father's Day, sermon, death, like I'm not understanding. Sometimes death is not always in the form of breathing your last breath. Sometimes it can be in something going awry in the situation you're in. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, who we absolutely love, to light up our minds and our hearts so that we can understand Him. So if you would, if you would go with me on this journey in this prayer as we begin to ask God to begin to open us up. Because we love the Holy Spirit. We love Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it was good for him to go away so the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And we're going to ask God to be glorified in all this. That Jesus would be lifted high. That our love for him would be transformed. And that the power of confessing hope because of Jesus can change anything. Let's pray. Father, you know I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and a power so that everyone in this room, that their faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on the Spirit and a power. Now, Lord, your wisdom is too rich for me. It's too wealthy. It's too deep. It's too wide. The spectrum is huge. I don't understand it. But what I do understand is what you give us. So, Lord, open our ears. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Give us peace in our feet that we are here for the right place at the right time. Stir up the gift within us, the very word of God. Stir up the Holy Spirit within us so that our hearts will become more attached, more in love, and more longing for you. And then out of the mouth our hearts will speak, and the words that I speak today will not return void, that it will produce mighty fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. And that, Lord, you would be glorified, people would be saved, Satan would be horrified, saints would be edified. Lord, that people would see that the gospel is real and that we are your mighty church moving forward. And so, Lord, I pray that in all this, we see our weakness so that we can see your strength. Let the weak say they are strong. Let the poor say they are rich. We love you. Please continue, Lord to show us our sins. Thank you that you forgive us. We acknowledge them. We acknowledge that we're saints. We acknowledge that by the blood of Jesus. That is our legal documentation. That is, our, that is the righteousness of Christ with, upon us. 
and we give you glory and honor and praise. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Transform our minds as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, as our eyes look into the hills from whence cometh our help, our help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said what? Amen and amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So he concludes in chapter 12. At the very end, the last couple verses, he says that basically life is meaningless without this. He says basically all we, what we need to do is that we, the conclusion is to keep God's commands. That is our duty. And fear the Lord, just move forward. That to trust God really is what it is. Just do, spend your life for him. But in the midst of this, I want to pick up a place where he's struggling with this issue of death. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. Wrestling with the question, with the time that we have left on earth, because we are eternal beings, what is the greatest gift that we can give people? I know Jesus. But Jesus brings hope. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. Solomon writes, so I reflected on all this. That is, what happens to the good, what happens to the bad, the king, all this, king, all this stuff. Applied his mind to all kinds of stuff. And concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. And that's pretty good, that's sovereignty language. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. Isn't that true? Some of you have been in relationships. Some of, uh, we've been in relationships. We've been kind to people. We've loved people. And they haven't loved us back. We don't know what awaits. But we do know that Jesus is coming for his people. All share a common destiny, struggling with death. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad. The clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. That is, those who worship God and those who do not worship God share a common destiny. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. Notice his quandary. His quandary is, what good is it? He's, he wanted to know wisdom. He asked for it, and God said, here it is. So the question is, I do all this hard work, and I don't start. I do all this hard work, somebody makes more money than me. I do all this hard work, and my marriage is whatever. I do all this, I try to be faithful to you, and my parents are jacked up. Or whatever it might be. Or I try to love this person, and they walk out. Put yourself in that situation. What good is it? Because if there's no gospel, Paul wrote it this way. Come on, eat, drink, and what? Yeah, Paul's like, say, get lit. Okay, that was funny. For tomorrow we die. See, in other words, even Paul was trying to use it as an argument that we will die. We will die. I've made up my mind that God doesn't want this body, so I'm going to use it up. I'm not Gnostic, though. All right, here we go. Just throwing that for the theologians out there. Verse 3. This is the evil, 
Notice what Solomon says. He calls it evil. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. Everything that happens under the sun, it's evil. People die. And we as believers who know the whole story say yes and amen. It is an evil. People weren't going to die until Genesis chapter Trey. Uno, dos, trace. Did I say it right? I said Trey, but it was close. Genesis 3, death didn't happen until the curse. It, he says it's evil, and it is. Adam and Eve, yep. They surrendered the authority that God had given them in Genesis chapter 2. They surrendered it to Satan, the serpent. And now Jesus says, I'm coming. There's a seed coming, and I'm taking back my authority because Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Jesus has authority. And so when we speak hope, we push back the prince of the air. That's why he's thick in people's houses. That's why he's thick in jobs. Because people love the world, but we are in the world. There's a big difference. Come on. Y'all got to let loose today. Eat a donut. So Solomon is struggling. This is evil. And we say, yeah, bro. In everything that happens under the sun, the same destiny overtakes all. He's like, where's the wisdom in that? You can be good, you're still going to die. You can be bad, you're still going to die. That sounds evil to me. And it is. Because the last enemy, death, Jesus did what to it? Boom, shakalaka. Well, that's not scriptural, but, you know, you get the point. He smashed it. 1 Corinthians 15, there is no more enemy. The fear of death in Hebrews is destroyed by the anchor of our soul in Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on. There's hope in Jesus. And here it comes. He's struggling. He's like, he's trying to understand, though he asked for this. People always used to tell me, be careful what you pray for, John. Be careful what you pray for. They were right. Weren't they? Lord, use me. Oh, prepare me to be a testimony, pure and holy, tried and true with thanksgiving. I'll be a living. I don't ever want to sing that song. Does any, I don't want to sing that song. Lord, here's what I want. I want balloons and unicorns. That was funny. I want cake and ice cream. I want to eat and not get stretch marks. I want to go to Golden Corral and not get fat. And I like to have all my teeth because I don't want to brush them. I sure hate flossing. And I, yeah, I, I mean, right? I mean, that's like part of the curse, right? That's part of the curse. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, here, floss. All right, so, you know, I mean, the whole idea is, I don't, we sing these songs, and, <laughs> and then we're like, why is God so upset with me? You asked for it. <laughs> John, you asked for it. You said, I'll go into ministry. I love you, Jesus. I'll do anything. You know, I just have this picture of Elf. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I'm love. And I don't know. I don't care who knows. it. And that's when I was like, with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. And God says, you love me here. Let me take you over here. Boop. There it is. 
right? And I'm like, Lord, I didn't ask for this. Like, I know you're supposed to be enough, but I need some backup, right? Don't you want some backup at your work? <laughs> Sometimes, do your job, do your job, do your job. <laughs> you know, I need some backup. And then I go home, and I'm not happy, whatever, maybe whatever happened all day, so I go home, so I can't really, like, like take it out on my boss, so I just got to take it out on my wife and kids. See, I can't be the father I need to be, because I don't like what my father has, or where my father sent me. So now I go through this miserable life, Solomon would say, this is before he comes to this conclusion, where are you at? Ooh, but there's hope, sweet Jesus. You know, I like, I like nicer songs. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Those are safe songs. That's why we sing them. They're safe. I don't like oceans. I mean, I like oceans. Don't get me wrong. I like it, Nicole, when you sing it. It's like, whoo, she's anointed. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. You can sing it. I'll just hum it. Because I ain't saying the words because it ain't going to be my prayer. See, by the way, when you sing a song, that becomes your prayer. Oh. So, here's the good news. We're going to die. Hallelujah. Here's the better news. Death is not our master. Come on. This is summit, people. We get wild. So, here's what he says. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil. And we say, amen. And there is madness in their hearts while they live. And we say, social media. There's a bunch of angry people out there. They're, they're not just angry, they're hangry. Right? I mean, they're mad. And we go, yes. Yes, Solomon, you're getting it. And then all of a sudden, Solomon like does this Jesus juke on me. And then he says, there's there's madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Here we go. Without the power of gospel in our lives, what hope do we have? But if we are not in love with Jesus and living out a relationship with God, where God places us, what hope do they have? Woo! Because we have hope. We might not feel it, we might not like it, but Big Daddy is coming back. Then Solomon will say this. Let me just say this. Let's think how wise Solomon is. Can you throw up 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 30 through 34? I want to just take a moment, a pause, and show you. Without, look, at the, look how wise he is, and he's struggling for hope, people. He's without the wisdom of God, the wisdom of man leaves us with no answers for death. First Kings 4, 30 through 34. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people in the East. I mean, where do you think algebra came from? It's Aramaic or it's Arabic. The, the greater and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. And then scripture lists some pretty wise people. 
including Ethan, the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mehol. Look what it says. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life. I mean, come on, this dude was way ahead of any of Darwin's black box. Sorry, just read it. It'll change your mind about Darwin, which I think is, I don't believe in evolution. He spoke about, I believe in microevolution. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. End of Paul, end of the, end of the pause, end of the break. Go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And so now death awaits everybody. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. And nobody can stop the freight train unless there's somebody greater than the train. I get excited, I'm sorry. And here's the hope. Verse 4. God, give me the words. I beg you, I pray this speaks to your heart. I pray that you put this scripture somewhere. I pray you put it in your car. I pray you put it on the back of your phone and hold it up and look at it in the midst of a time where you wonder. Then this powerful word that he gives us. Anyone who is among the living has what, saints? Here's the conclusion. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. You and I, I'm going to speak me. I might have come from some dead situations. Uh, I might, excuse me, I might have come from a dog's. What is a dog? What is a dog during that time? A dog was dirty. A dog was outcast. A dog was nothing. A dog was weird. A dog was, could be dangerous. A dog could have disease. But what was a lion? A lion was regal. A lion was a king. A lion had authority. A lion had leverage. A lion had, uh, uh, was over things. A lion had people following him. But he says, it's better off because of Jesus Christ. It's better off than a living dog. A li you can have a father who ain't much of a father. But if you alive, you got hope. You could have had a father who was a lion. But without Jesus Christ, every dream, every authority, every monument that was built will bow to Jesus Christ. It's dead. Some of us are in dog situations, but there's hope because it's better to be a live dog, dog than a dead lion. And every time I read this, it just speaks to my heart that when I confess, there's power in confessing the hope of Jesus in any circumstance. That's the main point. That's the main idea. That's where we want to go because we're going to confess where are we going. This is it. That a living dog is better than a dead, is better off than a dead lion. 
I can come from regality. I can come from a place where there are people rich or authority. But if there is no life in me, then I will be nothing. Lions don't have authority when the great lion shows up. The lion of the tribe of Judah is the only lion. So we might be in a dog situation where we feel like we're outcasts, we feel like we're nothing, we feel like we bring nothing to the table, and whatever life we have, we could be defined as missed opportunities. But I want you to know that Scripture says that it's better off to be a live dog than a dead lion. Because why? Because Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it what, saints? Yeah, there you go. So there's life in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the, he is the life. So the reason why there's hope is because as long as we're in Jesus, it doesn't matter if I look like a dog to my work. I'm alive because Jesus is the lion. They might think they're a lion, but they get, one day, everything that they ever thought of will be dead. Look, I, I'm just trying to just give you a little insight. There's a parable in this Jesus even talked about in Luke 16. There was a rich man and there was a Lazarus. Let me put it to you this way. There was a lion and there was a dog. Luke 16, verse 19, in the beginning of the parable, Jesus shows the dog and the lion. He says, there was a rich man, lion, who was dressed in purple. Purple is regal. Purple is authority. Purple is exquisite. And fine linen and lived in luxury every day. He is a lion. At his gate laid a beggar named who, saints? Covered with sores. He is a dog. Show you. And longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Because the reason why dogs are better, the reason why dogs are better is because dogs will live eternal. Lions will not. Because there's only one lion who's eternal. What happened to Lazarus when he died? He went into the Abraham bosom. He went into the place before the cross where Jesus went and took all the people and took all the people into paradise because he said to the thief, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So here he is lying in the bosom of Abraham. He's lying there. He's comforted while the lion is in torment. Are y'all tracking me? You and I might have some torment, but it won't be forever. There's hope in Jesus. You don't like the situation you're in, there's hope in Jesus. The power of confession in Christ, there's hope. In, it's, as long as God has given us breath, which we know comes from the Holy Spirit, God calls things together and breathe on man, breathe on the breath of life. Situations Jesus was showing me don't rule. There's always a way out. And his name is Jesus. We're alive, saints. 
And some of us might say, I don't even like Father's Day because I've either buried a child or I've either come from a terrible situation who my father, in theory, it would be dead to me. Or like me, my father's been dead for 13 years. I mean, listen, the bottom line is this. As long as we have breath, we have a chance because Jesus will do something in any circumstance. But John, I've been praying, seeking God, reading my Bible, tithing, fasting, helping others, sharing my faith. You're w witnessing, you're evangelizing, you're serving God, and nothing is happening. Nothing is happening, John. Where's the hope? Nothing is happening. I said, I, I, and the Holy Spirit said to me, John, you sound like Elijah. Well, I'm the only prophet left, God. Jezebel done killed them all. She's a lioness. She's killed them all. I'm just nothing but a dead dog. I'm going to go hide in a cave near Mount Sinai. Sounds, sounds like Joseph in prison. Sounds like Jeremiah, who I don't even know who got converted. I don't see one in the whole book of Jeremiah. But God came to his rescue. But you see, if we don't have hope, this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. Though I might be a dog, it doesn't mean that I don't carry hope of the lion. Let me tell you, there are children in places overseas that have birth defects that live in the alleys. And when the mercy ships, the Jesus' Navy shows up, they crawl out of the alleys, lamed. They crawl out of the alleys with disfigurement because they hear that there's somebody who might give them a wheelchair. They hear that somebody might have a floating hospital and they might have surgery. They hear that there's hope. And to the world, they might be a dog. But to God, they are worth the lion dying for. And if we who have hope stay in our situation and say, well, we're nothing but dogs, then what about the poor people who don't have the name of Jesus that we're called to share? If we don't live in hope, how can they? You say, well, John, why doesn't God just reveal himself? Oh, he does through dreams and visions. Don't be misled. If you don't believe me, you can look at Acts chapter 10. They already knew. This, this, this soldier already knew. God had already appeared to him. He was a God-fearer. It's an easy answer. But God still sent Peter. If we don't live in hope, how are we going to give hope to anybody else? If we live in hope, I mean, without hope, we become just self-centered. And we're about ourselves. Without, what is, what, is, what is the hope then? We're the ones who bring hope. So what is hope? I want to say this. Now, there's some theologians that say that here in Scripture that faith and hope, like especially in 1 Peter, might be uh, similar. But I think faith and hope are different. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. You ready? I'm going to give you, try and give you some good stuff. God, give me the ability and the grace to hear exactly what you're saying as it flies super fast in my mind. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Watch. Here's the difference. For God so loved the world that he gave. So the reason why we have hope is because we have the love that comes from God. God is love. First John tells us. So therefore, he's going to express himself in love through suffering and sacrifice. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, we have hope. Hope is different than faith. 
I'll show you. I'll show you that it's different. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm probably quoting King James. Yeah, I'm going to quote King James. That's not going to be the version you see up there. That'll probably be the NIV, I'm guessing. But here's what King James says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things. So faith is an action. It's not a thought. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. You know why these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? You know why that's the greatest? Well, one, it is God. And two, when we're heaven, we don't need hope or faith. Right? You, won't, you and I won't have hope and faith in heaven. We will already be in the presence of love. And then 1 Corinthians 13 above that says, explains it. Now we know in part, then we should know fully as we're fully known. Anybody that you know that died in Christ fully knows you and your life. And we're down here weeping about them, but they're down there rejoicing about us. Because Hebrews says we're surrounded by a great cloud of wit. Because they know fully, we just don't. So faith is this action. The people put it this way, faith is sitting in a chair. It's not believing the chair will hold you. It's sitting in a chair. It's, it's, it's getting into the airplane, not believing this airplane can fly. Right. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So 1 Peter 1.3 says it like this. Are we ready, saints? Here we go. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us in the mercy of God. Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew says in the Old Testament, it's the word chesed. It it's guttural language. Hebrew is a guttural. There's no vowels. So it's chesed, right? And, and, and so it means it's transferred as loving kindness or mercy. But if you translate that through, through Scripture, that loving kindness called mercy in the Old Testament, it's translated grace in the New Testament. See, grace flows out of the love of God. And as long as we have Jesus Christ before us in Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, who always lives to intercede for us, Romans 8, he's interceding for us along with the Holy Spirit, then you and I have hope. And God might put us in a situation where our backs are against the wall and there's a ceiling over our head so that only the God of heaven can rescue us. And if we don't show hope, nobody will believe there's a God of hope. And they'll come with a bunch of pseudo-philosophical answers. Liberal higher education has destroyed America. I work in it. They have no answers. They have theories. They have an apothesis. And all it does is lead to massive wars. Hitler had an academic theory. And it led to war. Not to mention, I believe he was fully possessed. My point in all this is this. We don't have hope. No one does. 1 Peter 1.3 shows us the hope. In his great mercy, God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth, or in the ESV, born again into a what, saints? I didn't hear you. Into a what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, to focus solely on the cross is theologically incorrect. To focus solely on the resurrection is theologically incorrect. You have to have both. But here... Peter is focusing on the resurrection of Jesus. He says there's power in the blood of Jesus that leads us to life. 
There's hope because of the resurrection. Paul goes on to write. He wrote, if there's no resurrection, we're crazy people. Think about this. I love what one theologian, I think it was I, Howard Marshall, said, what is our hope? It is the conviction, he said, that something will happen in the future. Are y'all tracking me? That's why Peter uses the resurrection. He says, because something, hey, he was resurrected because he's coming back. He has all authority. There is nobody in this world that has authority except God gave it to him for a short amount of time. You say, but John, the person that has authority over me is absolutely evil. And God is giving them grace until he brings judgment. They're either going to get the lion or they're going to get the lamb. But they're going to get one. And if they don't get the lamb, Revelation 6 says they're going to be calling for the rocks to crush the skull. Instead of face the wrath of the lamb. He says, but... But for that conviction to exist, there has to be some type of basis. In other words, if hope is we believe that something is going to happen in the future, what's our basis? He uses the analogy of the sun. People have hope that the sun is going to come up, but we know one day the sun won't come up because Jesus is coming back. So, so what is our basis? That's why Peter writes about the resurrection. That's why a live dog is better, a living dog is better off than a dead lion. We have hope because there's a God who's alive and will speak into our existence. Wherever we are. So what is our conviction? He said, hope of the future rests, of hope of future life rests on the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. Without the resurrection, we don't have hope. If God raised Jesus, he will also raise us who trust Jesus, he says. So what is hope? Hope is this. It means this. It means to put your trust and confidence. It means to, it means to this. It means to anticipate. It's a compound word. It means to anticipate or welcome what is sure. It means we are anticipating. We live our lives. Jesus, wrote par- Jesus spoke parables about it, did he not? He said, have oil in your lamps. He said, have oil in your lamps when the, bride, when the bridegroom comes. Be ready. He said, you don't know the day or the hour. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes and famines. Romans 8 says, the earth is groaning. The earth is groaning. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. There'll be more tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes. Those are all signs that the world is longing to be put back like the Garden of Eden. Hope. And it's not just a hope, but we're living hope. Living means to experience God's gift of life. It means this in the Greek. I am alive today. I'm getting ready to ask you. You want to come play over me? I'm getting ready to ask us to do something. Hope means a living hope. Look what it says there in 1 Peter 1.3. Let me go back to it. 1 Peter 1.3. I have so much too to say, but just don't have time. 1 Peter 1.3 says, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us a new birth. That means we're born again, born again, born again, born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible is clear in the Gospel of John. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is, I put my life into him. I deny myself. I, it's a call to die. I no longer live, as Paul would write, I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith 
actions. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, or gave his life for me. But we're a living hope. Living hope is a result of people being born again. So he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. The reason why he put the resurrection is to show us we can't believe that something's going to change in this world unless we have a basis to believe. And the basis to believe is the resurrection. In, in, in theological academia, even Romans who are non-Christians talked about the crucifixion of Christ. Even Jewish historians talked about the crucifixion of Christ. But when it came to the resurrection, that's where people stopped. What do you believe? If you want to have a great family, if you want to be a strong believer in Christ, then give people hope. Everybody wants to say, oh, well, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. You know what I've noticed about a lot of talk? It just led to more talk. Am I telling the truth on social media? It just leads to more talk. More talk leads to more theories. But when somebody says, I'm going to be a living hope, Living means I am alive. In the Greek, it means to be alive in Christ. There are people in your family that do not know Jesus. Will you ask him today, God, make me a living hope? I mean, come on. When's the last time we really prayed for the lost? When's the last time we as a church family practice in public what we've done in private? Are we a living hope? Are we alive in Him? It's the result of being born again. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 23 through 25. A living dog is better off than a dead lion. I don't care how great the lions of the world are, they will die. But one who is alive in Christ, the world might call a dog, but God calls chosen. That's why we're better off. We have hope. Lions don't have it. I don't care how much money they got. Lions don't have, you say, but John, they got authority. They got people following them. They got all that they want. They got the party scene. They got relationships. Girls are throwing themselves at guys. Guys are throwing themselves at girls. They got everything they want. Here's what I'm telling you what they don't have. At the end of their stupor, their drunkenness, right, they don't have hope. Because if they did, why would they have to go back to it? We're living. We are alive. We've been born again. First Peter Chapter 1, 23 through 25 says this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring 
Word of God. It's the Word of God that brings life. Jesus Christ and His Word brings us life. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like flowers of the field. This is what about lions. The grass withers, and the flowers fail or fall. But the Word of the Lord, what, saints? Better off to be a living dog than a dead lion. Because I got hope, and they don't. The dead don't have hope. The spiritually dead don't have hope. The spiritually dead don't have hope. But we, though the world might say, who are we? What? I don't need, I don't need the bailiff and the lawyer's blessing when I already have the judge. My family stinks. I'm not trying to erase your pain, and I'm not trying to fix your pain. What I'm trying to say is, you got hope. Depression is not the answer. Replaying it over and over is not the answer. But allowing God to comfort us so that we can then comfort others, that's when he can take evil for good. That's why Miss Penny's leaving right now, going to the prayer room. So people, if you need more prayer time, they'll be praying over you. One, to be born again. And two, to trust even though you might feel like a dog. The Bible says you're blessed. Why? Because this is what happens to living dogs. Me. Me. This is what happens to a living dog. And, and Saul, here's an example of what happened to Saul. Though, uh, I'm talking about Saul in the Old Testament, where Samuel was a prophet. Though the Holy Spirit left him, because remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't stay permanently on people until Jesus purified the body. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 10, 6. Woo! Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. This is what Samuel said to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them. And listen to what the Bible says. Listen to the Word of God. This is in the ESV. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into what, saints? A living dog is a living hope because we're turning into somebody we're not. When I'm up here, and I'm under the anointing. I am somebody I am not. People ask me all the time, John, what'd you say here in this sermon? What'd you say? I don't even remember. Don't ask me what I said five minutes ago. I don't remember. You want to know why? Because it's called an anointing of God, not a plan of man. Y'all tracking me? I speak as the Spirit says speaks to me, and I can't sometimes keep up. And God is trying to talk to you today. You're a living hope. I don't care if the world calls me a dog. The only reason I look like a dog is because I don't look like somebody else. But what I want to look like is Jesus. And right here, when we're under the anointing of God, we're turned into somebody else. You and I have living hope. You will not be the parent. If you came from a bad situation, you will not. I want to just speak life over you. You will not be the parent that your parents were because of Jesus. He stops every curse. Stops it. So you ask God today, make me a living hope. Make me alive, God. Turn me into somebody else. Now listen. Be prepared what you ask for. Don't be afraid. Come on. 
your summit. We're wild. That's why I love you. This is who we are. And if you don't know Jesus, you can't save yourself because only the Spirit can turn you into something you're not. That is death to life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry out to you. We love you. We praise you. Right now, as I'm praying, means you to make a situation alive because a living dog is better than a dead lion. And what might seem dead to others, God, you can resurrect. Who needs to come and just pray right now? Say, God, make me alive, make me a living hope. Turn me into somebody else. Who, Lord? I we're summoned. I'm begging you, turn me into somebody else, God. I don't like the person I'm becoming in the sense of the flesh. I don't like that the all my old sins are coming back on me. I'm asking you to turn me into somebody else. And the only way you can turn me into somebody else is to, to make the deadness in me come to life in Christ. Breathe your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. Breathe on us today your Holy Spirit. Breathe your Holy Spirit. Lord, who in here will ask God to breathe the Holy Spirit into their family, to breathe the Holy Spirit over their children, to breathe the Holy Spirit over a job, to breathe the Holy Spirit in their situation, to breathe life the world might say I'm a dog, God, but when you breathe life, the dog is greater than the lion because you said even a little child will lead them. God, speak to us, Lord. There's got to be people here calling, calling out for the lost. Who? Who will call out God? Bring life. Breathe on this person. Breathe on this church, Lord. Breathe on us like Jesus did, the disciples. Breathe on us the breath of life. Breathe on us, breath of heaven. Breathe on us. And if there's anyone in this room, God, who's dead because they're not born again, because they do not believe that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, son of God. That is, they have put actions to their hope. Then God, rescue them today. Wreck their heart that you would be their treasure that they would get out of their seat and come right now and call upon you to save them. Lord, I, why be afraid? Why be afraid? A living dog is better off than a dead lion. We can have all that the world gives us, but we'll be dead without Christ. Lord, bring them. Who in here needs to pray for the lost people around them? God, it's a church Bring us forward on our knees, please. And they don't have to come forward when I stop praying, Lord. Then come right now. God, move it. We need a movement. Breathe on us.